you all will go ahead and have a seat. We have uh, the youth choir going to come and sing for us this morning. I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Thank you. 
Isn't it great to have our youth come and lead us like that? Great to see young people that are involved and, you know, just trying to use their talents to, uh, to glorify God here and to lead us in worship this morning. So if you see them, encourage them. Let them know you're, <clears throat> you're proud that this next generation is, is helping out in, in such a way. If you'll please stand with us. Sing this again. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to come to your house and worship you this morning. I pray for everybody that they'll go throughout their week shining your light into the world. And please bless all the tithes and offerings to further your kingdom. In your name, amen.
Hey, kids, come on down front. How are y'all doing today? Good. Good. I'll just have a seat right here today. I want to be standing up. Have a seat right here. Did y'all have a good week? Yes. yes. Awesome. Good. I have just a regular cup here. Right? I believe that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a styrofoam cup. Okay. And a brand new bottle of water, so y'all don't think that I did something trick to the water. It's still sealed. You can hear it crack open, baby. You hear it? Okay. So it cracked open. Brand new bottle of water. I'm going to pour a little bit in here in this cup. Okay. Pretty cool, huh? That was an awesome trick, wasn't it? <laughs> it was the best trick ever, right? You can do that? You sure you can do that? All right. Well, how many of you that just saw me put that water in there, how many of you would believe that if I turn this cup upside down, that nothing would come out? You believe that? All right. How do you believe it? Now, you sure? You absolutely believe that that will happen? Now, do you trust me? You do? All right, we'll come up here for a second. <laughs> Did you trust me? Let's face the crowd. Wait, wait, look over here at your dad. Tell him goodbye. No. <laughs> All right, right there. Okay, so what I'm going to do, do you trust me? You sure? Okay, in just a second, I'm going to turn this cup upside down over Eli's head. Okay? Are you ready? And I hope, I hope this works. Okay. Are you sure? Are you ready? All right. Are y'all ready? Yeah. Uh, all right. And it was just a little bit. It's okay. All right. Here we go. You trust. You trust me. Y'all. Y'all trust me. You sure? Okay. Here you go. One, two, three. Oh, look at there. So thank you. You can have a seat real quick. <clears throat> But y'all, y'all saw me put this water in this cup, didn't you? Right? And y'all believed that the water was in this cup, didn't you? You believe the water was in there? Did you believe that it, when I told you it would turn over, that there would be nothing left in the cup? Right. Okay. But you had to trust me, didn't you? Okay. We don't just believe in Jesus. Okay? That's part of it. You have to believe in him. But you have to fully trust in him too. Okay? So trust in him to take all that stuff away from you so you can turn it upside down and there's nothing left. Okay? He's going to take that sin away from us. Right? I want y'all to do that this week. Fully trust in God. Now, don't just believe in him because that's part of it. Yes. But y'all know what? Satan believes in Jesus too. But he doesn't have the trust. That's right. But fully trust in God. Fully live your life for Him. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for each and every one of these children right here in front of us. Thank you for everybody out, out here in this congregation. Lord, thank you for everybody in our community that we can take your the belief in you and not just believe in you, Lord, but turn that into trust by going out each one of this every day and uh, fully giving our lives to you. We be with each and every one as we go through this week. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's stand again. There's within my heart a melody. 
got your bulletin you can look at it on the, on the cover there it says who's your one and I hope you got the insert there and that you have taken the time to read that a little bit I want to share with you what this is all about and as I say who's your one if there's anybody from Indiana you might get excited I'm not saying who's your uh, but who is your one uh, and before I, I share about what that is, I want to take just just a moment because sometimes we need to hear this. There's some good things that have happened in, in the last several months in our church. I just want to highlight some. One, we heard from a, a moment ago, our youth choir. Uh, that's something that's been started in the last several months. We've begun a, women, uh, a, a widow's ministry, a cancer care ministry. Our mission and evangelism team is up and running, and our prayer team is right at the beginning of, of moving forward. And so it's good to hear some good news from time to time. Thank you, church, for stepping up and being uh, participating in these things. Our mission and evangelism team went to uh, the uh, bridge, Bridging the Gap yesterday, and several were, were able to help out and, and uh, minister there with Bridging the Gap. So, good job, church. 
Um, but I, I do want to let you know what this is all about. Who's your one? In 2013, Tom Rayner of Lifeway Research reported that a staggering 82%, 82% of unchurched people in the United States said that they would attend church if, if they were simply invited by a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, or a family member. 82% of those that are unchurched would come if somebody would just invite them. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine our church? When was the last time you invited an unchurched person to church? Or do you even know an unchurched person? So I want to do something at Northside in the weeks leading up to Easter. I was thinking about this already, and then this little box from the North American Mission Board came into the church, and I felt like the Lord was just putting it together for us. I'm going to modify what, what, the, what the North American Mission Board is asking us to do, so let me, let me share with you what that is. Who is your one? Who's your one? We, that is you and me, we don't have to be overwhelmed with reaching the millions or the billions. But can you and I simply reach one? Can we reach one? I believe we can. And I've known about this a little bit. I've had a little bit of a head start, but I've had time to think through and pray. And uh, this past Wednesday, the Lord gave me, this is your one. This is who you need to be praying for. Um, Johnny Hunt says, you may reach just one, but that one may reach thousands. So how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. I'm going to roll out just a process for you here, and, and it's, going to take some, it's, it's going to take some time over the next few weeks. But here's, here's a timeline. So beginning today, you're, you're hearing about this today. Ask God, earnestly pray, Lord, bring that one to my mind. And once the Lord places that one in your mind and your heart, begin praying for that person. And just pray for them for two weeks. Just pray, just pray, just pray. Every day, pray for that person. It's pretty simple so far. For two weeks, for 14 days, we're going to pray. And then, beginning that week of March 24th, find a way to serve that person. Go out of your way. Go, just, it doesn't have to be extravagant. It can be something real simple. You're doing something anyway, so why not include this other person? Find some way to serve them and let them know that you care about them. There's a couple of weeks there. By the way, you're still praying because here comes the next step. The week of March 31st, now that you've prayed for this person for three or four weeks, now that uh, you've served that person, you're, you're also praying, God, give me the opportunity to share my story. Give me the opportunity to tell them what Jesus means to me and share your testimony, your faith. And listen, your story is powerful. Your story is powerful. Even if you think it's boring, it's powerful because here's the deal. Are you listening? It's not your story. It's God's story through you. And so that story is powerful. And I'm asking you to share your story with this person that you've been praying for. And then finally, the last step is to invite them to church. We should be right up to the last couple of weeks of Easter. Invite them to come to church. Invite them to come to Good Friday services. Invite them to come to Easter or Palm Sunday. It doesn't have to be Easter, but that's where we're pushing. By the way, I'll be teaching a class next Sunday at 4 o'clock. 
we'll go through all this again at 4 o'clock. But specifically, if you have questions, how exactly do I share my story? I want to help us answer that. That's the part we, need, we may need some work on. How do I communicate my testimony? If you'll come at 4 o'clock next week, I, I, it's, my, it's my belief that you'll have a good understanding of that. Finally, J.D. Greer says this. We need a passion to see people who are far from God experience the new life that he offers through Jesus Christ. This isn't a program. This isn't an evangelism tactic. This is just about people praying for other folks and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And with God's help, we can do it. Let's pray. Father, I just ask right now that you begin to place different people on the hearts of the people of Northside Baptist Church and that we would take this opportunity just to pray, to serve, and to share because Jesus Christ is worth it. Speak now through the message that Brother David has for us. And may we respond in an appropriate way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I see conviction didn't fall too hard. Uh, it's been a rough week for me. Um, it's been a spiritual battle week, you know. Uh, talking to God, getting close with God, Satan coming by, smacking me down. <sighs> All right, start back up, getting closer to God, Satan comes along, smacks you down. But it's been a productive week. Uh, middle of the week, I began to start to put my notes together, and this is not my regular Bible. And I said, God, show me something. God, speak to me. I, I'm nobody, God. I'm, I'm just a dog at the table begging for crumbs. Speak to me. And my truck had to go to the shop after having spent a considerable sum of money having it fixed, a problem reared up in the system that they fixed, and I forgot to grab my normal preaching Bible out of it. So I'm looking around, and this is my first big boy Bible was sitting on the shelf. And I got it out, and I looked at it, I began to thumb through it. It's not shiny, it's tattered, it's torn, it's beat up, it's got ripped pages. If I hold it the right way, certain books fall out. There are pages, if I were to drop it on the spine, that it would automatically turn to. I said, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. God, I am sorry. Not because of what this Bible looks like, but because of what my Bible now looks like. It's not as tattered. It's not as worn. It's not as beat up. It's not as abused. It's not as used as this one was. God took me back to a young man 
that was seeking his word, that was seeking his face, that clung to him with everything he had. God said, David, you've cooled off. God said, David, you hadn't sought me like you did. God spoke. God kicked me in the butt, and there's no doubt about it. I pray your Bible looks like this one. I pray it looks worse. I pray that Northside's Bibles come. They've been used. They've been torn. They've been ripped. They've been highlighted. They've been marked in. They've had notes put in. They've got tear stains. That They've got the blood stains of Christ all over them. I pray your Bible looks like this today. Church, I am sorry, but more importantly, God, I am sorry. If you would please rise, we will be in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things that must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep these things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and hearing behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, and white as white as snow, and his eyes were as the flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they had been burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in its strength. And I saw him, and I fell at his feet as dead. 
And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the blessing that comes in your word. Father, the hearing, Father, the preaching, the teaching. God, we thank you for what you have sent. God, we don't know what we ask when we ask for revival. God, we don't know what we ask when we ask to see your face. God, we come seeking your face today. Father, we seek your revival. God, we seek your heart. Plow our hearts open wide today, Lord. Cultivate us. Let the seed be cast. Father, you grow. You produce fruit, God. We give you all glory and honor. All God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The revelation of Jesus Christ which was given by God unto him to show unto his servants. Who wrote the book? Who wrote the book? John the Revelator. What was John's name before this? Before he's the Revelator, he's, he's the Apostle. We commonly call him John the Beloved. He's a true and faithful witness, is he not? The Bible says he sent it to John to bear witness of his word, to bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and all the things that he saw. John's trusted. John is trusted by God. John is trusted by God to take the great revealing, the great open disclosure that he has for his slaves. By the way, the word servant here is doulos. Have we encountered that word before? We encountered it about six weeks ago when we talked about Malchus, did we not? The word doulos means what? Slave. Not servant, but slave. Church. Northside Christian, are we slaves today? Have we gone to the door of God and said, This is whom I shall serve, pierce my ear, and I serve you? Are we slaves or, we do, or do we just consider ourselves to be hired servants? Well, God, I'm going to need a couple weeks' vacation from your word. God, let's, let's talk about my 401K. God, the health insurance, well, we've got to talk about that some. Slaves have none of that. Slaves aren't worried about the pay because slaves don't necessarily get paid. They're concerned about one thing and one thing only. That's doing the will of their Lord. Is that what we're concerned with? Is that what I'm concerned with? Is that what you are concerned with? Have we sold out? Are we doulos or doulas today? Have we entered into that slave ship under God? John has apparently taken on this slave ship. Who bear the record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and he that heareth the words of this prophecy, period, right? 
period right no there's a comma because after the comma comes the clause what's the clause you've got to keep it the lost person can hear the Bible all day long they can hear you give testimony all day long but until they keep those things until God plants that seed deep into that ground inside their heart and it begins to fidget a little bit it begins to grow until they grab hold of that until we grab hold of the words of revelation until we grab hold of the I am the Almighty the Alpha and the Omega there's no blessing in this word just beyond hey I heard the Word of God today the blessing that John's talking about the blessing that God is giving here goes back to Proverbs the wise man perceiveth the danger and hideth himself the fool continues on and is punished well why would I want to hide myself from God brother sister you have to hide from the wrath of God where do we hide from the wrath of God in the shadow of the cross the Almighty the Alpha and the Omega this is where we hide the wise man hides himself in the cross he covers himself in the blood and stands in the shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ there is blessing there is your blessing you want to put shoes on it the shoes on it are trust in God become a slave to Jesus Christ do his will preach teach tell others about who he is hold his word tight love others like you have never loved before and stand in the shadow of the cross blessed is he that hears he that reads and keeps it's conditional you have to do your part you have to cling tight to God you have to hang on to him you have to seek him with all that you are we have to get out of this comfort Satan has taken the church for too long he's rocked the cradle he says no you're there on Sunday mornings you're doing good you know what you're doing really good you were there Sunday night but if you're just at church and you're not living church you're asleep we've gotten comfortable we got a nice little I got a little warm spiritual blanket up around me I feel so good oh God this pillow is just a nice no five more minutes no snooze five more minutes snooze five more minutes church wake up David wake up Christian wake up and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand wise man there is danger danger is now it is at hand it is right around the corner the danger is so close hide yourself in the shadow of the cross it's funny that these words are used because revelations written to whom who's it written to it's written to the church but more specifically it's written to whom he's already told us to Christ's slaves 
Are these people that are already in Christ, people that are loving Christ, people that are seeking Christ? Yes. This isn't an evangelistic passage per se. This is Christian. This is church. Let's get it right. Let's seek after a holy God. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. Now, we're going to stick the which is, which was, and which is to come. We're going to hang on to it for just a minute, but we know we're talking about God here. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Seven spirits? What? What seven spirits? There's just God the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Where are these seven spirits come? This is a mystery. No, it's not. These churches will know exactly what John is saying because most of these churches are comprised of mostly Jews. The Jews have read the Old Testament. The Jews cherish the Old Testament. We're going back to Isaiah, and we're going to be in 11 and verse 1 through 4 for a moment. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of a holy God. That's what the Lord means here, the Spirit of God's holiness, a separation from worldly things. The Spirit of God shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord these are seven spirits when you have just a spirit of fear it's not of God when you have a spirit of lack of self-worth that's not of God when you have a spirit of timidity when you have a spirit of foolishness they are not of God if you've got a spirit of fear that's from God it is a spirit of the fear of the Lord knowing that he is in control and that his will be done, not yours, as the slave understands. These are the seven spirits that are before the Lord. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. All right, here's New Testament time. the prince of the kings of the earth. Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, first begotten of the dead. Have we seen kings of the earth before in relation to Christ? Forty days out in the desert, Satan comes to him, takes him up to an exceedingly high mountain, says, Christ, welcome. Look over all these powerful kingdoms. See there? There's the Babylonians. You've already, you know what they've done. Oh, look. Hey, there's America coming. They're going to have a great military. Uh, some of their leaders are questionable, but that's okay. Uh, oh, look. There's China, which will be the largest man army the world has ever known. Oh, hey, look. There's the Greeks. Well, we, we don't look at those so bad. Uh, oh, wait. You know, you got Australia. They, they, they like to drink, but... They're, they're, they're great people. These I will give to you if you will, but bow down and serve me. But here we see Jesus' title, 
from God Almighty. He is the prince of the kings of the earth. Satan's trying to sell Christ something that already belongs to him. Does he not do that to you and me? Well, you know, maybe if you did this, you'd have a better relationship with God. I know, I'm, I'm just Satan here. And I, I'm, I'm, but if you could just stay home, you could get in prayer, and you could go in your closet. You don't have to go to church. Just go get in your closet and just, yeah, just talk to God. I know you're sleepy. You know what? Take a nap while you're in there. Satan's trying to sell you something you already have. You know what? If you just made this one bad business deal, think of all the money you can make and how much you could give. Satan's selling you something you already have. Jesus is the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We're back to the Old Testament now. When Christ comes back, who was and who is and who is to come, when he comes, who is he? He doesn't, he's coming as the king of kings. He's not coming as a lamb. He's not coming as a carpenter. He's coming as the king of kings. Is it to him to impart a governorship to you, to me? Yes. Why? Because he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the king. But it also says he made us priests. He is the high priest. He establishes within you, within me, the Levitical line that we may enter into the holy place. Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Even so, amen. Why are people crying? It's Jesus coming. People are crying because the king with a rod of iron is coming to measure the earth. He is coming to chastise the earth. People that pierced him will wail. People that have not seen him but have heard of him shall wail. All kindreds shall wail. Why? Because man is just disgusting in the eyes of God. My sin is disgusting before a holy God. Your sin is disgusting before a holy God. I, have, I wail myself at how horrible of a man I am. I believe it was A.W. Tozer that said, Don't worry about what people say about you. I assure you in the light of the gospel, you are far worse. It's true. Far worse. But he's made me a king. He's made me a priest. Why? Because it's his to bestow. Why? Because he washed us in his blood. Why? Because God looked down, saw the decrepitness of man's situation, saw the blackness in man's heart, saw man eaten up, riddled, and covered with sin, and said, I have made the way. You will be priests. You will be kings, a royal priesthood. I believe we've heard that a time or two, have we not? I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. Now, we know these to be A and Z for the Greek alphabet. 
but to be the beginning means you have to be outside of what's happening you have to be there to start it to be the ending you have to be there to finish it if you're one of these people that believes in a 14 trillion year old universe let me tell you about your alpha alpha was there before two meteorites slammed together and then a third and then a fourth and then they fell into orbit around a ball of gas that ignited itself if you're a six-dayer let me tell you about your alpha your alpha was in the very throne room of God when those words let there be light were spoken your alpha was there when waters were divided when there was light but no source for the light within the universe is it not questionable to you that there is light before the Sun was ever created I love science I love science my wife will attest to I love nerd TV I, I love the Science Channel, the History Channel, Discovery Channel. If it's something about physics or nature or space, I love it. it it's, it's just interesting to me. But the fact that in the physical universe there is light, but no reason, no cause, no source for the light, I'm sorry. Some of these scientists have got it way wrong. They said for so long the universe does not have a definite creation point. It has always been. It will always be. One of the smartest men to ever walk the earth, Albert Einstein, after looking through a telescope and seeing the effects of what's called redshift, blue shift within the universe, said, well, you know what? After this, I am convinced that there is a definite starting point I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end saith the Lord which is which was and which is to come the Almighty I remember I said we were gonna pack this up a minute ago if there's ever any doubt to Christ's deity to his Godship we have it here expressed by God the Father and Jesus the Christ we look over here to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass and he sent signified it by his angel John um, by his angel unto his servant John and blessed is he that readeth and they that keep the words therein and John to the seven churches which are in Asia grace and peace unto you peace from him which is which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits before the throne I'm writing to you from the one that is on the throne and the seven spirits before it and here we have Jesus Christ I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end saith the Lord which is which was and which is to come the Almighty not a Almighty or an Almighty the Almighty what God says is very specific what's the very first of the Ten Commandments thou shalt have no other gods before me can we all agree on that yes was God specific in that 
Yes, God laid them out in an order for a reason. God says what he says in his, in his word for a reason. I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus the Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about John for a moment. John's where? He's at Patmos. Now Patmos 2,000 years ago does not look like Patmos does today. Today, Patmos today is a rock about the size of this building. 2,000 years ago, the sea level was much lower in the Mediterranean. Patmos was a great deal bigger. Patmos was a salt mining camp for the Roman government. And if you had been bad, they slapped you on the wrist and sent you to Patmos, where you mined salt until you had worked off your debt or the emperor changed and decided that you were no longer bad and they would bring you back. That's not what happened to John, is it? What happened to John before getting sent to Patmos? What, what's he most noted for having happened to him? Boiled in oil. Oh, John's a crispy critter. Demetrius said, you know what? I like my apostle deep fried. Throws John in the boiling oil. Now, we have varied accounts of this, but most people tend to agree that there was an angel in that oil that saved John, that he came out unscathed. That being seen, Domitian says, well, you're going to Patmos. John is not a young man. John is actually a little bit older than Christ, if historians are to be believed. It's believed that John was born around 6 or 5 A.D. Christ was born somewhere between 4 and 2 A.D. We'll just say 3 A.D. We'll say John is three years older. John didn't go to Patmos until he was about 75. If you were 75 or older and you have the ability, would you please stand? If you're if 75 and older and you have the ability, could you please stand? I, I think the body needs to see this. Polycarp. No, stand, stand up. I, they need to see, I want them to see you guys. Look at these faces. Look at the lives that are these people. Look at them. Could you imagine them standing before the most powerful man on the earth and saying, Jesus Christ is the king. You are just a puppet. I have faith in him. I will not renounce my faith. He says, boil you in oil, and they are this age. Dear Christian, thank you, sit down. I appreciate it. Dear Christian, God has called us to wear out, not rust out. He has called us to work because John doesn't write Revelation for about another 10 years, most scholars believe. So he's in his mid-80s when he writes this. He's in a mining camp. Does he have all his scrolls with him for all these references? No. John's pulling the word from where? What does David say? Let me hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. John has committed to memory God's word. But the next verse, 
I think this verse was written specifically for Brian and for Curtis. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. It said I was in the Spirit. It doesn't say a group of us were in the Spirit. We weren't having church. I was taking responsibility for my worship. I was seeking God on my own. I was having my own little church service. Would it not make make your job so much easier if Christians took responsibility for their worship? It would, amen. If you came in here ready to worship, if you left the crap of the world outside that door when you came in to seek an almighty God, to get in his spirit to seek him, and it says, I heard behind me the voice like a mighty trumpet. I want those vocal cords. I'm loud, but my stars. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. You see, these guys are in the hotbed of the world. Scholars say that their church, they represent the church at different times. <coughs> Excuse me, God said, or scholars say that, well, God's just speaking to just that church for what it is at that time. Brother and sister, chapter 2 and 3, they're a mirror for us. They are something for us to look at to see what God likes, what God doesn't like, what we need to get rid of, where we need to do some spiritual laps and get rid of some stuff. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. I don't think John turned because he didn't know who it was. Are there voices that you just know? That you hear that voice and you know it's that person? I was reminded of my great Aunt Effie this week. She was my dad's aunt. My grandparents passed away before I was born. But Aunt Effie was like a grandma. Her and Uncle Ray, they lived out at Welcome. And every time I drive by there, I can taste pound cake and I feel like I got a dollar and quarters in my pocket. I was a rich little boy. But I can still close my eyes. I can smell that cake. And I can hear her say, boy, you come here. Give Aunt Effie a hug. I can hear that voice. John's not turning around because he doesn't know who it is. John's turning around because it's been 50 years since he's seen his Lord and Savior. He turns around and what does he see? He is met with a sight. I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice was as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining in its strength. Any good Jew knows exactly what John is seeing. John's sitting here in the spirit. He's worshiping. He turns. He sees seven golden candlesticks. Now, these aren't just candlestick candlestick, candlestick, candlestick. 
we have gone to the temple. We have gone to the tabernacle. We are in what is known in the tabernacle or the temple as the holy place. It's where all the priests can enter in. They come in to do their work. When you walk in to this side, you have a table of showbread. With the showbread, there will be an omer of wine. On this side are the seven candlesticks that are almond buds that they only burn when it's dark. They are to shine when it's dark, that they give light. How many men, what kind of man would light a candle and then hide it under a bushel? We are in the holy place, the table of showbread. We've got the showbread. We've got the omer of wine. In the same night that he took and ate of the bread and drank of that cup, we've got the Lord's Supper here. We've got seven churches that are supposed to shine when it's dark here. Before us, we have the altar of incense. Now, we won't get to the altar of incense in the next few weeks, but it is the prayers of the saints. It says that our prayers are to be a sweet savor to Lord. So the altar of incense. Now, we've got everything, and now all of a sudden, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Have we ever heard that before? Yes. We go back to Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They get thrown into the fiery furnace. And little king comes by. And, there should, and they should be dead, but it says, he says what? I see not three, but I see four. And the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Have we seen this guy before? Yes. His hair is white like wool. It tells us back in Daniel that he is, his hair is white. Daniel's looking forward, seeing the same thing. He's seeing a high priest who is just pure. His eyes are like fire. As Deuteronomy tells us, God is an all-consuming fire. Have you ever just gotten lost in somebody's eyes? Husbands, have you gotten lost in your wife's eyes? Wives, have you gotten lost in your husband's eyes? Young person, have you ever gotten lost in a boyfriend or girlfriend's eyes? I'm telling you, John is deep. He is deep in the spirit. He is lost in that fire. This fire is consuming John. This high priest who loves him so has consumed him. And his feet like unto fine brass as if they had burned in a furnace. Come on, Daniel, tell us about it. No matter the flame in your life, Christ has feet ready to walk through it. No matter how bad your sin, Christ is ready to wash you and make you white. This is not written to the unsaved. Church, this is written to you. This is written to me. That we stop being and stop playing church and actually get on to living church and really being the church. We are riddled with sin in our lives. We are riddled with complacency. We are riddled with apathy. God said, get over it. 
There is work to be done. There are fields to be plowed. There is a harvest to be reaped. And when I saw him, I fell as a dead man at his feet, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, but behold, I am alive forevermore. My God lives. Buddha does not live. Muhammad does not live. The Dalai Lama that is alive today will die. He will no longer live. My Jesus was alive. He was crucified. He laid down his life willingly for you, for me, to cover this horrible, disgusting thing about us we call sin. And again, he rose three days later. He rebuilt the temple. He is alive. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Not just John, not just the Old Testament forefathers, not the New Testament saints, but the church says, Amen. Jesus says, Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. I am in control. Write these things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand are the seven and seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks are the seven churches. The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. We can go back to Daniel. We can go back to Isaiah. We can go back to Psalm. We can see everything that is in this chapter, New Testament-wise, in regards to the tabernacle. We can go back to the New Testament. We can see our high priest in a white robe that is pure, having had the blood of the cross on his ear, his thumb, and his toe. He has made perdition for us. He has walked through the veil. He stands ready to hold your hand and walk you through the veil that we get into the Holy of Holies surrounded by the prayer of the saints in the presence of God Almighty. Church, wake up! It's time to stop playing church. It's time for me. God took me back to this old Bible that's worn and tattered and beaten because my life at that time was not. I would much rather we have a church full of just worn down, falling apart, marked up Bibles than Christians that are suffering, than Christians that are slaves to their sin and not slaves to God. Amen? Or oh man. Well, you just don't understand. I, the chairs are just so cushy. I like sitting on foam. It's, it's just too cold in the sanctuary. I, I just can't go in there. Well, God, you, you know how the preacher is. And God says, yeah, well, I know how you are. But God, my, my shows are coming on. God, I, I got 
to leave right after because you know how that line at Golden's gets. Those Methodists, they get right in there. And God, you know that ain't no chicken left. My friend, when we are concerned about the line at Golden's and not the line at the abortion clinic, we have a problem. When we are concerned about who gets the rose on The Bachelor instead of who has the rose of Sharon, we have a problem. When we are concerned about the lilies in our flower bed instead of the lily of the valley, the church has a problem. I know because I've had them. I know because God kicked this old boy in the butt. I am tired of playing church. I am tired of lukewarm worship. I am tired of lukewarm prayer. I am tired of lukewarm Bible study in my life. I'm tired of it in my church. I'm tired of it in God's church. There are churches that are beginning to see the seeds of revival. I say, even so, amen. Come, God. When, we, when, when some of your men pray for revival, we understand we don't know what we're asking for. We just don't get it. But even so, amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We've got to let go. Let God. In just a moment, we're going to sing. The altar's open. Remember, it's a place of death. It's a place of business. But what we bring here and we leave, we're supposed to leave. We're not supposed to pick it back up. We're not supposed to take it with us. If you're going to bring it to God, leave it in his hands. Let go and let God. Father God, Daddy, I ask that you forgive me today. Father, I have played for far too long. God, we have played for far too long. God, split your church open. Father, open our hearts. Father, plow the fields. God, we need Lord, you are amazing. You are powerful and you are awesome. Lord, be glorious today. Father, we love you. Have your will in your way in this time. God, just be who you are. We ask it in Jesus' name.
If you would please be seated. Uh, David, appreciate that, that word God laid on your heart. I uh, just want to read a, a statement on behalf of the, the deacon body and myself. A business meeting will follow morning worship on Sunday, March the 17th, to vote on calling Pastor Daryl Obar as our interim pastor. Pastor Darrell preached a great and challenging sermon here last week, and we all need to be reminded, keeping our eyes on Jesus. I was personally reminded of the, uh, the old hymn, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, this week. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I've heard some feedback from the congregation, from within the congregation, especially concerning that the pastor search committee appears to be closing in on a candidate. Well, let me just briefly share with you why I feel like, why I feel like we need to call an interim. First of all, if you've had that thought, then you're, you are correct. You're, you're correct. We may very well call a senior pastor within a few weeks of calling an interim. And if that's the case, then praise God. If that's the case, then praise God. However, it's also possible that we go another several months. Even if our search committee is closing in, anything can happen. Uh, it's similar to a deal in real estate. The property's not sold until the property is sold. And if this is the case, it sure would be nice to have someone with 43 years of ministry experience helping us through this transitional process. Pastor Darrell has undergone training by the Georgia Baptist Convention, I believe three times. I don't quote me on that, but I think he's been through that training three different times, specifically for interim pastorates. And since 2009, he's served in three different churches as an interim or transitional pastor capacity. He brings a wealth of wisdom and experience with him that I believe would greatly benefit our church. On a personal note, He's called me at least once a week, at least once a week for the last month, just to check in on me, just to pray for me, and to pray for our church, to pray for you. And he knows, he's fully aware, he knows that he may be here for only a few weeks, or he may be here for a whole bunch of weeks. But this is what he said. He simply, and this is a quote, simply want to serve the church. So again, a business meeting will follow our morning worship on Sunday, March the 17th, to vote on calling Pastor Darrell Obar as interim pastor. I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to pray. 
one more time, I encourage you to pray, and if need be, you can take, uh, you can take some advice from, from my oldest son. Maybe you need to fast until you get it right in your heart and in your spirit about what you should do. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact me, Steve Holloway, Brian Lucas, or David Masden. Those are the members of the Interim Search Committee team. I thank you. Uh, I want to ask Kevin Ingram to come up and close us, dismiss us in prayer.